All right, here we are to start the 5 o'clock hour of the show. Jason Ross here with you on this afternoon. Tomorrow will be Kings basketball. Also tomorrow on the show, we're going to talk with Chris Landry right at this time and Lincoln Kennedy, both for their weekly visits. The Golf to Go Golf Hour is tomorrow as well, 2 to 3. Make sure you check that out tonight. Uh, following us, 645, though, will be UC Davis basketball as the tip-off at 7. The Aggies take on Oregon State at 7 o'clock. All right, so much more to get to uh, related to the NBA. Spent the last hour on the NFL. We're going to jump back into the NBA and certainly the Sacramento Kings. We do want to tell you the Capitol Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. All right, so a couple of things to get you caught up on. First, Steph Curry does break the record, makes two threes early in the game in New York. He is now the all-time leader in three-pointers made. We're going to go over that list a little bit later uh, in, the, in that next half hour. And really, will anybody pass him becomes the next question because he's going to blow this record away. He's at 2974. 4,000 certainly is not out of the question as he has passed Ray Allen, who was in attendance. Reggie Miller was there, who was calling the game. <clears throat> so those guys who are two and three, uh, his mom, his dad were there, and then a bunch of people in New York too to see this. Larry Riley, the guy who drafted him, is there as well. And and you think about that too, and this is kind of how it now relates back to the Sacramento Kings. Um, and actually, hold that thought for just one moment because there was one other note I wanted to get to uh, regarding the NBA. Uh, we told you earlier that you know in all leagues right now, more and more COVID situations are popping up. The Bulls are missing their next two games. Um, it looks like now the Bucks are going to have Wes Matthews Jr. and Giannis Antetokounmpo in COVID protocols here. So it's happening at a rapid rate around the league. But let's go back to Steph and kind of tie it in to the Sacramento Kings. How you become great as an individual and as a team is not an exact science. You need some luck. I'm going to go back to the draft of Steph Curry. Steph went seventh, and that's still thought of pretty highly. I remember that draft very well. Excuse me, in that draft class. And there was, and without a doubt, people said he was the best shooter in the draft. Some questions about his frame, durability, those kind of things. Ankles. Ankles. So he goes seventh. All right. Now, we know the Kings missed on him, but six other teams did too. And if you're redoing it. No, not six other teams. No? No. Why? Five teams. Why? Because uh, two teams, one team had two picks right before him. Good point. Good point. Uh, that's Minnesota. But Blake Griffin, who, if I was doing this at the time, I would have drafted Blake Griffin without doing, you know, not claiming to be an NBA draft expert, but watching college. I remember that year, Blake Griffin was just my college man crush. This guy is amazing, highlights everywhere. He's going to be awesome in the NBA. And Blake Griffin's had a very good NBA career. Number two, Memphis, Hashim Thabit. This is where more teams than not make mistakes. Oh, you can't teach size. You're right. He couldn't play. He wasn't in the league very long. And I would now, I mean, just based on experience, based on where the league is going, I would always draft skill. Always. Whatever that skill relates to, ball handling, shooting, uh, elite rebounding, not from size, but just a motor, um, Physical frame, not in the seven-footer, but maybe someone that could just move. 
Um, that's the the unique quirks I would look for. So he goes two. James Harden has had a great career, Hall of Fame career. He went three. Tyreek Evans, four to the Kings. Then Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn. So they took two guards. They were really the first team that was looking at kind of a point guard type. Now Tyreek played some point. James Harden can place a point. But Rubio and Flynn were both point guards. So they had two cracks at Curry, and they went for Rubio and Flynn. So all the teams, you could say, they all missed. I mean, if you're evaluating the whole thing, Curry is one of the greatest players of all time. Do you know who didn't miss? Who's that? Friend of the show, Sean Cunningham. Yeah? During that draft, he said, the Kings need to pick Stephen Curry. The other part that I wonder, and I don't, there's never a way to prove this, is, Chris, does this become environmental, the environment that you go in? Would Steph Curry have been great as a king? I would like to believe the answer is yes. I think it's yes. I can't prove it's yes. But if I'm picking, it's yes, right? I mean, doesn't he become great as a king? Yeah. I mean, the it's not like the Warriors are just no. awesome. But no. then on top of that, then Steph doesn't get clay. That's the thing. It, it's the it's Steph was really good, but everything changes when you become a champion or a, a postseason threat, or you're looked at differently. I mean, and it also took a couple seasons for Steph. Yes, it did. Which people kind of people kind of think he came in scoring thirty a game. I mean, they were right with his ankles for the first couple well, seasons. Well, yeah, and it was him and Monte, Monte Ellis and Steph Curry. And then I remember they were here when they had made the trade of Monte Ellis for Andrew Bogut, and a lot of people thought, like, mm, you're getting rid of – like, Monte's, like, the, the guy. He's our number one scorer. What are you doing? Well, that really helped him, obviously, drafting Clay, drafting Draymond, and then it all just – it all went from there. And then you become a – uh, one of the all-time great franchises in a run, a dynasty. And his ankle injuries uh, early on helped him work on a shot even more. That's what, one of the ironies that they were talking about uh, today. And since then, he's been incredibly durable. And now he's also played with Kevin Durant, and he's won multiple championships and multiple MVPs. So if he comes to the Kings... And they do okay, do better than they are now, but, I mean, they're not winning championships, not doing that. Is Steph Curry Ray Allen? That's what I want. I, I don't know. Or does he not shoot as many? Th- I mean, I, I think he would always have the freedom, and I think the game has also changed at the right time for him to fit into his skill set. But I guess here's my point. Let's say, and we, we got to imagine this. It's hard to imagine. But, Chris, you know this to be true. If the Kings had been... Just the last two years, a playoff team, let's just say. It doesn't even matter if they went even a series, but like they were in a series and maybe lost in six games twice. But De'Aaron Fox was in those and played. Like, he's thought of differently. Yes. Um, I looked at, I remember when, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Fox kind of were going at the same time, and, oh, yeah, Donovan Mitchell's okay. He's, he's, fine. he's nice. He's going to be good. Well, then they get to the playoffs, and he has some 40-point games. He had a 50-point game. He's carrying that team. We think completely different of him. Luca, if Luca hadn't made the playoffs all these years, you go, yeah, he's getting st- He's good. He's getting stats. We can all acknowledge he's good. He's eating good. <laughs> then he, in the neighborhood, then he gets to the playoffs, and he has some great games. Now he hasn't carried a team farther than that, but you can still acknowledge his greatness. So I think part of Steph is it all lined up together. He worked on his game. He worked on his craft. He has an insane skill set of shooting and ball handling combined because I don't think his ball handling gets enough love. 
and then he just worked at it. And the game expanded to become just such a shooters-heavy league, but he's the best at it. And if everybody – I mean, Buddy is a volume shooter. He's not as good – not nearly as good as Steph. I mean, it's just – but Buddy can shoot. There's other there's plenty of people in this league that can shoot. Nobody can do it quite like Steph Curry. People can get hot in a game and hit, oh, man, that guy hit nine threes. Okay. I think the stat of people that have hit ten or more threes, I can't remember how many have done it, but Steph's done it like a hundred and something times. It's just amazing. Um, and how that all ties into the Kings is getting drafts right, getting player personnel right, making all the right decisions, and the Warriors kept making the correct decisions after another. Steph joined the Warriors shortly after Kings fans used to take over yes. Golden State's arena yes. every single right. time they played. They called it Arco West at that time, right? It was like bus loads would go down there. Uh, people that it was couldn't easier get to get tickets for that yes. game than at Arco. And also, I'm saying the Warriors making all the right decisions. I should put it this way. They made more right than wrong because they also drafted – you know, Epe Udo, and, and, and missed on certain players. They didn't always get every single thing right. You just have to get more of them right, and then if you land on something special, cultivate that, like Steph, like Draymond, like Clay Thompson, and certainly like Coach Kerr. So now how do the Kings – we're not asking him to get to that, even though that would be fantastic. How does it just get better? And that's where the puzzle is here to me that we brought up earlier as well, that if you look at this team – why is this team, this particular group, why have they struggled so mightily? And I don't know why I misread it by so much, and maybe others too. And I don't know that everybody had the Kings you know, being this spectacular team, but I think it's fair to say that people think they should be better than they are or competing more often than they are right now. And what also stinks is we believe that in Sacramento, and we see I, – I believe that they're a better team than they are. Outside of Sacramento, everyone's like, yeah, this is who they are. Yeah, and and I don't – and so the logic is, oh, you're too close, you're a homer. I said, no, I haven't picked the Kings to do this, and I don't know how many times. Like, I just thought with the personnel coming back, and even the way the season started, like the first six or seven games, Barnes was incredible. Holmes was incredible. What was missing was Fox. It's like – well, wait till he gets going. He's kind of found it a little bit lately, and the rest of the team has lost it. Now, why can't it all work together? And it's just this perpetual cycle that this team is continually in. And you look at where they were a year ago, basically this record. A year before that, basically this record. This King, Kings team has a knack for kind of just getting in the same exact spot right now. The Kings find themselves, or if I look at last season at this point, because the Kings have made it through, what, 27 games at 11, or 28 games? Let me double-check their record right now. Because the Kings, last night, after the loss, have matched their season low point of six games below 500, as the Sacramento Kings now are currently 11-17. and 17. So they've played 28 games. A year ago, they were 12-16. and 16. So 12 and 16 a year ago. The year before that, 12 and 16. Let's go another year before that. The Kings now were 15 and 13 at that point. That was the year they were really chasing 40 wins, got to 39, and of course, 39 was not near enough to crack the top eight. It was the ninth team, but that didn't much matter then. So 
I think it's tomorrow becoming December 15th, which opens up the NBA trade season with more than 100 players becoming available. Those players are the ones that signed contracts in the offseason. I know there have been rumors, alleged rumors, with Buddy Heald, with Marvin Bagley, Ben Simmons, Indiana Pacers, um, whatever team that may be looking to move something. This feels like a time where the Kings... There's really two directions again, the Sacramento Kings, two paths, right, here to go. I feel like the Kings have been in the chasing past decisions mode and trying to correct past mistakes. You know, if this coach was fired, let's, let's do something a little opposite of them or this GM or this draft pick or we've got to, we've got to answer to this past mistake. And it feels like they're in that perpetual motion of of chasing something that they admit they did wrong on. Which is good to admit that you did wrong on it, but you don't always have to just try to fix that mistake and maybe it leads to another one. And that's where it feels like it's gone. The one thing they haven't done, and I don't know if anybody would be really ready for this because of the 15 straight years of losing, is truly completely rip it apart and tear it all the way down. That's the one mode they just haven't chosen. I feel like it's been patch from for the most part. And my example would be this, kind of a lot, what Chris and I were alluding to earlier in the show when year one or two of Fox, it was like, well, just imagine him in year three or four. I mean, we get it. He's young. He's just getting started. He's going to be great in his fifth year. Well, we're now to that fifth year and you're waiting and nothing's, nothing's really blossomed into this huge windfall for them. And I look at a team like Oklahoma City who clearly – has had some of the best players in the last 15 years at some point on their roster. I mean, this team has had James Harden and Durant and Westbrook and Paul George and Sabonis and Oladipo. I mean, just go down the line, Chris Paul. They've had some amazing, talented players and had some good playoff teams and made some runs and stripped it all the way down. I mean, they just stripped it all the way down, and they're going all in on the next upcoming drafts. I don't know what a complete strip down is. People are saying, blow it up, blow it up. I guess that's moving Fox. Is that moving Halliburton and Mitchell? Like all your your best assets? Potentially. Potentially. Um, but then you're looking at years of rebuild. And if you're doing that, then is then you're saying, okay, yeah, we're definitely going forward with Monty McNair. I don't know if you're going forward with Alvin Gentry. I mean, it just feels like they're at such a crossroads of so many different decisions that are staring at them in front of their face and there's no clear-cut answer for me, and maybe there is for you if you want to text in or YouTube that in as well, let me know, but I don't see it with their current roster. The one thing I would say as a for-whatever-it's-worth suggestion, I know that yesterday's audio we talked about uh, Coach Gentry suggesting Well, maybe I haven't done everything as a coach. You know, I haven't tried every lineup. I think they're really close to trying every lineup. If anything, I don't think it's entirely bad to stick with something for 15 games, let's say. Because I feel like the starting lineup has changed regularly now. The core nine or whatever changes quite a bit. Like, try to find a group and stick with it for a few games. But... I could already hear the like. What's what group is it? I, I I don't know. Fox, Halliburton, Barnes, Holmes. <laughs> then what? 
then what? What's the next three to four you feel comfortable? I, I would like to see Terrence Davis play pretty consistently. Sure, maybe Marvin Bagley, one of the bigs, Len, maybe Harkless. I don't know. what. What is the group? So with, with a roster that's a little bit flawed with not enough wings, does Monty McNair go there? Does he swing big? Does he feel like he has to make a, I mean, like a, a landmark trade where it's something that you're not quite ready for? And then the other part of all of this, and you know, look, I, I don't tweet that much, but I look at Twitter and I see what's going on and I see some of the trade proposals which are laughable. But the question you have to ask yourself is all the stuff that I know a lot of Kings fans and us that watch it and are in it, immersed in it every night. As much as we sometimes love our players probably too much or rip them probably too much, what is the real value of some of these Kings players? I mean, for for the even the rumor we talked about earlier, the Kings are looking at a potential package that has Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald in it. They didn't just start those conversations yesterday. Buddy Heald was almost traded to the Lakers. There was reports of Marvin Bagley in Detroit a year ago, and I still wonder when the Kings made that deal with Corey Joseph when they moved him and got DeLon Wright. Was there a larger deal that had maybe Marvin Bagley and Sadiq Bey involved in it prior to that? Remember, that was the one that was reportedly out there. So, if you were Monty McNair, which we all play it on Twitter, on the radio, at home, talking with friends, I'd do this, I'd do that, I'd do this. I don't know what the answer is. Certainly, you need more talent. But how do you get it? How do you get it with this current roster? Would you be willing to sacrifice future draft picks? Would you be willing to sacrifice some of your current young talent? I think everybody wants to get rid of perceived junk, and that could be financial junk or players that aren't giving the return of investment on their salaries back for an all-star. Well, that's not happening. Well, go get Ben Simmons. All right. Let's play that road because we've talked about it a lot. Honestly, trying to be as honest with yourself as you can. I had said before I would have been interested in Ben Simmons. I would have been interested in Ben Simmons coming here with Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox. If I'm Philadelphia, I'm not even picking up the phone unless you're talking to me potentially about Fox but maybe I'm not as interested about De'Aaron anymore because, one, his salary, too. I'm getting such great production right now from Tyrese Maxey at a much cheaper rate. So then, what? Davion Mitchell? Tyrese Halliburton? Harrison Barnes? Future picks? I mean, you're going to have to start adding up money to get to Ben Simmons' salary. That's, that's a hefty salary that Ben Simmons makes. Ben Simmons makes $33 million this year. So you got to get close to that neighborhood in return. And Fox is close. But if that's off the board, not from the Kings side, but from Philly's side, then what? Oh, just do Buddy. Okay. Well, Buddy makes less. You have to throw in more. And does Philly want Buddy? We all look at Buddy as 
when when you're talking about a trade that you want to send someone, you're going to tell them about, oh, he could shoot. Yeah, we know. But he also has his nights where he doesn't shoot well. He makes some poor decisions, isn't the best defensive player, and he's coming off your bench. Does Philly want that? What would Philly want? What would New Orleans want if you want Brandon Ingram? I don't know, Chris. If we, It's weird. We have that fine line where I think at times Kings fans overvalue what they have, but then when they have it, it's like, oh, no, he's not any good. It's like, well, wait. I thought you just wanted to trade that person with someone else to get their all-star. Another thing to think about Ben Simmons is, does he want to play? Right. Is he right in his own mind? Like, what? how serious are his issues? I think Philly broke him, but is he broke in? Can he be repaired? Is this the place with a track record like Sacramento to repair an NBA player's career? I would say generally no. It okay. worked for... Uh, hmm. I thought you had a list. What started with... Oh, and then... And then after that... Some might say Weber... I don't know if he was completely – he had some issues, though. He did. I mean, getting chased out. He had him and Don Nelson in, in Golden State. And then Washington had some things going on there and had that. But those are more um, – I know there was, like, a pot charge at the airport. I mean, all that kind of – but that's a different kind of – broke. like, he could play basketball. Ben Simmons, we're wondering if, like, is he mentally okay? Is he going to be able to play? Is Sacramento the place to revive – his career. Ben Simmons in a couple of seasons might just be, you know what? I don't like this. This isn't fun. Yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. And some would say, well, then what did you do? Which well, would be the perfect Sacramento Kings. Right. <laughs> but at this point, are you desperate to just do that or something like that because you have to change things? Because it's been the same repetitive cycle. So who's, who's a commodity? Someone take a, a flyer on Marvin? Maybe. But... If Marvin at, I think he's around $11 million a year, still young, potential, all that, you're likely getting someone from someone else's roster or two that are in that makeup, in that line of, eh, it's just not working here. Eh, maybe he'll work somewhere else, but just not here. Harrison Barnes, I think, is someone that could be coveted and wanted. He's such a great professional, works hard, durable, reliable, um, still in his prime, but that's also a position of weakness. Small forward. They don't have a lot of depth there. That's why I point out to you guys and myself, even saying it out loud, how easy it is to go to trade machine, how easy it is to throw out a trade, but really to execute it, to pull off one that you feel that you won or makes you better that another team is going to accept. And if you do one that you don't think helps you, then why even do it? I think it was Sam Amick talking about trades one time. I think he did a big article on The Athletic Mm -hmm. saying it takes months and months and months to pull off a trade, just like a regular trade. Now, if you want to get teams involved, other teams involved, it's not as simple as like, I'll give you my guy, you give me your guy. Yeah, I've had a few talks with people like in front offices before, or general managers, and they said that, Chris, like it's it's not, we all want to believe like what, we make fun of the movie Draft Day of like how crazy that is, but even like, oh, tomorrow's December 15th, everybody's going to be on the phone. I said, is it that hectic, that chaotic trade deadline, draft night? They said there's moments where it can be, but for the most part, 
if you're doing it right, let's say you own the Rock or you're the GM of the Rockets and I'm the GM of the Pistons, we're I'm probably checking in with you. Hey Chris, you know what's going on? You good with everybody? Hey, I'm interested in uh, how's your uh, how's your small fort? Like you would already have an idea. Yeah, I know you like player X. I we're still comfortable with him unless can I get uh Player Y from you? Ooh, I don't know. And so now I kind of know what your interest is. Team three has player H. Right. You know, let me get back to you because, you know what, just talking to my guy in Indiana, he's actually really interested in getting involved and so on and so forth. So I think for the most part, GMs, if, if they've done it right, know who's on their list, continue communications, and then also you have an idea like, Maybe, oh, gosh, when I call Chris, there's, there's no way I can pry that guy away. Like, he's asking for legitimately too much, and even if his breaking point's a little bit less, I'm not willing to go there. So it's like, all right, I'm interested in his player, but he's not going to help me out, so that's probably off the table. So I think people know who's coveted, and then people get coveted for different reasons, being in the final year of a contract, maybe be in a situation that's not right for them. Hey, just get him here. Or, hey, we run a specific system, and you know what player fits that so well? is this player on this team. Now, the Kings aren't, to me, one player away, but are they a trade away from getting better into the mix of the rest of those NBA standings? Like we said before, I mean, this is so gettable for the Kings. That is also why this is so absolutely frustrating. Warriors are the best, followed by the Suns a half game back. Utah, winners of seven or two and a half back. I think that's a tier in the Western Conference. Memphis, surprisingly, has done so well without John Morant, has worked themselves to six games above five hundred at fourth. Then it's the Clippers at 16 and 12. The Lakers at 15 and 13. Dallas and Denver are the seventh and eighth seeds, which would be the play-in spots, at 14 and 13. Nine and 10 are also play-in spots. It's Minnesota, who is 12 and 15, and the Blazers, who have lost five consecutive games, are in the 10th spot. Because the Kings' most recent loss last night, they're in the 11th, a half game behind the Blazers. Then the Spurs are behind, tied with the Kings, Rockets, Thunder, and Pelicans. It's all right there for Sacramento if, 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 if they can figure it out. And at this point, I wouldn't trust that they would. Feels like that's why something has to be done, a personnel change. Not a coach. They've done that. Roster movement. Because it's the same group that was playing for Jaeger for the most part, playing for Walton and now playing for Gentry. That's not getting it done. All right, when we come back, the history of the three-pointer. We've got a new leader. It's Steph Curry. He knocked it down, two of them, at MSG earlier tonight. We'll let you hear that audio and just kind of reflect on where that record is going and how far he may go with it when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross here with you. Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. Um, someone on our YouTube, Andrew, said, well, what do you want to do, J. Ross? I don't think he's asking about uh, the Kings. <laughs> I want them to win. I want them to get better. Um, like I said, I, I was obviously, in my opinion on this team, I was wrong. 
I was I, I just missed it. I missed the mark. I thought the combination of Fox and Halliburton would be a great, great backcourt. And it hurts to say that because I still think there's a lot of potential there. And I like the pick of Mitchell. Harrison Barnes and Holmes were starting out to have uh, the best years of their career. And then the other position there to kind of round that out, whether that's starting Mitchell or Terrence Davis or Heald or Marvin or Harkless, I don't think that one spot is keeping them from being the best of their potential. I just don't know why, Chris, it doesn't all gel. And the only thing I can think of, I always try to equate it to anything else that I've ever done. I've been on, as simple, as silly as this might be, you could be playing pickup for hours and you're like, oh, we got the right, this this team that's now coming together, we're going to win, and then that team loses the first time you play. Like, wait, I thought we had all the right pieces, and then other times you could just have a group that you're like, I don't know. We just fit and we just run for seven straight games. And I don't know why that happens. Or you've got that one guy that's super good where you just say, I'm just going to pass it to him every <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, but if you all fit in with him and compliment him, but that's also been with that guy. It's like, oh, we can't lose because we got him. And you're like, oh, we're losing. Well, all the, the thing time. Is, is, everyone needs to know their role. Everyone needs to play in their role. And everyone has to be okay with their role. Yes. Yes. There's a lot to that. And then. I also go back to just the desire to be different, to be great, to to want to win, to know how to win. I, like De'Aaron said earlier, we played the audio, I know he doesn't want to lose. Like We can get into the semantics and break down what he's saying, but do you know how to avoid losing? Do you know how to win? And, oh, we score more points. Not that like the makeup it takes every game to come out with the right purpose, to not be trailing 11 nothing to begin the game, to not give up 81 points in Cleveland. Um, whether that's leadership as players, you know, your coaches can keep telling you things, but are you taking in the game plan? And what's weird is I think one of the major problems with the Kings is, except for one player, I don't think that they're selfish enough. I think a lot of, especially Tyrese. For sure. Tyrese, I think, needs to shoot the ball. And I'm pretty sure that coaches are telling him to shoot the ball more. But for some reason, I think he's got it in his head like, oh, I need to get everybody going. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Buddy has missed his eighth three-pointer, maybe don't pass it to Buddy. Right, right. And that's player knowledge, player IQ, all those things that sometimes this team uh, clearly lacks. And... It's just it's just become so repetitive on a night to night basis. There'll be good stretches. You're like, all right, there we go. This looks better. And we, we've been on all sides of the spectrum. Chris basically runs all the games, whether it's home or road. But we're at the arena for these. And Chris, how many times have the has it looked good? And maybe the Kings are up 15. You're like, up. Oh. At what point will the Cavs have the lead? At what point will the Raptors have the lead? Whatever the team they're playing, and why we all go there because we've seen it a bunch of times. Yeah. Or vice versa, excuse me, where the Kings are down 24, and we say, eh, at what point will this be a six-point game? And that didn't happen last night, but that was the weird one with the Cavs. You know, they're down 29 points at half, and it was seven points with six minutes to go. You can actually win that game. That game against the Phoenix here. Yep, where it was done. Bar- done. Bagley didn't want to go in the game. Here's like the deep bench. It's like, okay, fine, it's 18. It's 12. Well, here comes Booker. Here comes Paul. Here comes their starters. Wait a minute. Are they going to win this game? This is crazy. This is going to be one of the great comebacks of all time. They ultimately lose, and you just go, why were you down 25 points to make that great comeback? And this team, this team, I tell you, 
All right, so let's talk about something that is great, and that is Steph Curry. Steph Curry tonight did it. It was in uh, New York, the basketball mecca, the opportunity to make some great history, and he uh, he didn't waste much time tonight as he got an attempt early on and made a three, and then that tied the all-time record as uh, Steph, of course, was two away from Ray Allen. Let's hear him uh, go for the tie. fast right the buzz in this building is incredible and to have the guy who really took the record from me Ray Allen to my right just as nervous as and as excited as the rest of these normal fans is special to see and Steph was all into it the first one and then you got to break the record as Mr. Curry brings the ball up once again Alec Burks Guarding it from the start, Wiggins again. Here's Curry for the record. It's good! There it is! Stephen Curry! The all-time three-point king in the NBA! It's a record. It's his. Let's hear Reggie Miller, a guy who he uh, at once passed, who was third. Ray Allen now number two. Uh, Reggie talking about uh, Curry after that play. When you think about this, it, the way he changed the game, it's almost like how Babe Ruth changed baseball with the long ball. He has changed the game with the three-point ball. How all 30 teams approach the game is because of number 30. And this is an absolute awesome experience to be able to witness, to see Ray Allen and now Stephen Curry. I don't know where the game is going to evolve to, Chris, but I would say, gosh, and this, man, this is intended to be the biggest compliment to Steph, but I I don't want to, it may come off, it's not any other way than that, I'll just say it, that I think this is something that could be approached. And what I mean by that is, I think anybody that wanted to be a gifted basketball player it has a better chance of replicating something like Steph than, you know, I'm watching Shaq up here. Like, who's going to grow to be seven feet tall, 290, and just a physical freak? Now, Steph still has incredible ability, but, you know, can someone now at the age of six just be in love with Steph and just ball handling, shooting, ball handling, shooting, 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 shooting? I don't know if they'll ever be that good. But that's something you can work on and try to emulate. Now, again, we're talking about the best of the best of the best all time. But um, And now that the game is going that way, it will be interesting because he's going to blow way past this record. But if someone has a chance to catch him, as long as the league stays a three-point heavy league, I think it could happen. I really do. I think so, too, especially because right now, if you're going to play in the NBA, you have to have somewhat of a shot. Yeah, even bigs, right? Yeah. And remember, like in the 90s, if you're a big guy and you're dribbling the ball or <laughs> shooting from like deep, they're going to say, what are you doing? Get down low, get on the block, rebound, and put the ball back up. Yeah. I'm trying to see how many attempts. I mean, we've seen great shooters here in Sacramento. Peja Stoyakovich, a great shooter. All right, let me remember this number. He's taken 4,000. 
392 threes in his life in, in the NBA. Steph has taken 6,889. So more than 2,000 more. And the difference is, it's still a big difference. It's about 1,200. So, I mean, Paige would have to shoot. But, like, the point being is they're not that far apart of when they played around each other, and the volume of three-pointers have gone so far up there. I mean, currently, like we said, people, I don't think of James Harden as this unbelievable three-point shooter. He's fourth. He's going to be third in a couple of weeks. And And he'll catch Ray Allen. A lot of that is analytics as well, which people haven't talked about. Because now the idea of a missed three is almost better than a made mid-range shot. Right. And here's the other point on this. Steph, 2,974. Well, I don't know if he he made a few more, I think, in the game. He did it in 789 games. Ray Allen's 2,973 in 1,300 games. And Reggie Miller made his in 1,389 games. So nearly half the games. Yeah, not quite, but 60% of the games he's played in, less than those guys, and he's done it. It's amazing. Um, Active leaders, we mentioned Steph is now number one. James Harden is four. Damian Lillard is 10 at 2109. And remember, Damian is, I think he's a year or two younger than Steph. Yeah, he's two years younger than Steph. So, you know, he's still 800 behind, but... I mean, in 10 years, there's a pretty good chance that Ray Allen... And Reggie could be out of the top 10. Yeah, it's like what, I mean, Dan Marino is like the lone survivor in the quarterback list. But, I mean, when you get like Kerry Collins up there and these guys that just have been playing and, and you know, moving up the ladder, who else is up there? Kyle Lowry is 17. Well, LeBron is 11th, which is pretty amazing. Kyle Lowry is 17th. Paul George, 20th. Clay Thompson, 21st. Kevin Durant, 26th. Uh, let's try to find a young guy that's the highest. Bradley Beal. 44th. I mean, Bradley Beal, how old is he? He's 28. Um, let's see. Kyrie Irving is 60th. Buddy Heald, 63rd. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where this record goes. And th- I'm going to credit this one to Bonta Hill from uh, the Bay Area, uh, 95.7 The Game. He had this tweet out there, which I thought was interesting. The Bay Area now owns the three-point record with Steph Curry. The most home runs with Barry Bonds. Most receiving yards and touchdowns with Jerry Rice. Stolen base record with Ricky Henderson. Can we get some nice things here? Oh, come on. He was a Ricky Henderson's record-breaking stolen base was with San Diego, right? No. What do you mean? He was with the Padres. He was with the A's. But each stolen base is a broken record. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, then what was his last team? Was it the Mets or the Dodgers? Or the Blue Jays. He was everywhere. He was the Padres. Was that his very last team? Uh-huh. I think so. To the internet. Do we think so? Because that's where he hit his 3,000th hit, correct? Which was a home run? Mm. I should know that, but I don't know that. Ricky Henderson's final team in the Major League section was the Dodgers. But let's see if he had a stolen base. He had to have, right? Come on. He had three. At 44. Oh, I think he's the one. He there's two players. This is one of those great trivia things. There are two players that have a stolen base in four different decades. Oh wow! Ricky Henderson's one, seventy nine, in uh, two thousand three. Um, should I know the other one? Lou Brock. 
he wasn't a stolen base guy, which is the funny part about oh, it. Oh, so wait, give me a hint. Like, is it recent? No, his last year was 1960. Oh, I'm not going to get it. Ted Williams. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, the other thing I look, I was just looking at Ricky. Man, at 39 with the A's, 66 stolen bases. Like that would blow away the league lead now. That's another thing. Like that was a more of an art back then. I don't know if that'll cycle back in now. It's just home run or strikeout. But um, it's interesting to see where these sports go. And obviously analytics and three is worth more than two and the ability to shoot and the fact that big shoot, every position shoots. And when you don't, you're a liability unless you're so great defensively. So Ted Williams finished his career with 24 stolen bases. And he did it in four decades. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. So congrats to Steph Curry. Uh, still one of the greatest, if not the greatest shooter ever. I love that. Ray Allen was there, Reggie Miller on the call, his mom, his dad were there, and just all of New York. And Pete Davidson, he was there, courtside. He is everywhere. He is everywhere right now. So uh, it looked like it's an electric atmosphere. By the way, I think the Knicks are leading that at the half. Let me double-check that one. Uh, yeah, the Knicks are up one. Uh, Brooklyn leads Toronto by 10. We'll update you on that. And that Detroit-Chicago game, remember, was postponed still to come. It's Phoenix and Portland. We will break. Final segment. We'll have some final thoughts when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Final segment. As we appreciate all of you uh, checking things out today. As uh, we continue to roll right along. Um, what's interesting today, of all things, I saw two of these today, Chris. Two different sports movie trailers. I like movies. I like sports. And sports movies are total hit and miss for me. I mean, like, it, it just it depends. You saw one of the trailers with me. It was the the one for Sean Payton. I don't even know what the title was. Um, can't even remember. It's Netflix. No. I think it's an Adam Sandler production. 100%. 100%? It's an Adam Sandler movie. Oh, yeah. No, it is. Yeah, for sure. But even like all the people that he has in it, you can tell oh, this is it's his wife. Um, uh, Kevin James is Sean Payton. It looks like it's trying to go funnier, but it's also a little bit of a true story about Sean Payton. I thought, interesting. And then the other one is um, Kurt Warner, his story. Uh. Like, okay. Interesting. Interesting to see two NFL-ish type sports movies, but do you, I do not like NFL movies. I like football movies, but I don't like NFL movies. Okay, well, I need sense. an example. Well, like I know you don't like Draft Day. Draft Day. What other? Now I'm trying to think of other NFL. Well, like any given Sunday is NFL, NFL, but it's not. It yeah. wasn't really about. The, I mean, like when the NFL is involved, right? It just waters everything down. It's like, oh, you're terrible. Yeah, any given Sunday did a good job because you you got it. That was the NFL, but it was they didn't pretend they weren't the Giants yeah. and the you know Cowboys. It was Sharks or whatever, but it was the concept. Um, I can, like I'm trying to think of an NFL. Movie. Yeah, the other ones that have worked have been like comedy side, necessary roughness. Blind side's not comedy, but like it's more of a story. But there's football related to it. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights is good. Um. I didn't see the one um, 
Marky Mark. It was about the Eagle guy. Uh, I forget. His oh name. yeah, I didn't see it either. So I guess. Huh. Oh, there's the uh, trash kicking, uh, field goal kicking. Uh... Gus. No, the uh, it was with it was a TV movie. It was with um... Gus the field goal kicking donkey. No, it's oh. the it's the trash uh, picking up. Uh, he's a garbage man. It's with um, Tony Danza. Oh, I and don't. He plays a kicker for the Philadelphia Eagles. Really? Yeah. And it was a TV movie. Yeah. Oh, I do not know that one. Years ago. Years ago, okay. I was when I was a kid. Okay. Did you ever see Gus though? No. Oyich. No? Uh-uh. Okay. That's when I was a kid, watching Gus kick field Isn't goals. Isn't it in black and white? <laughs> it was a silent movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's why it was so entertaining. Uh, basketball movies, I mean, you got all sorts of different kinds there. Hoosiers, semi-pro. Semi-pro is great. Great. Um, fish that say Pittsburgh. The one I love and people always hate is Celtic Pride. Yeah, I think I it's, finally saw it. That was okay. It's hilarious. That was and okay. It's a who wrote that movie? Um, he does like all the he does. He did uh, Knocked Up, and he did Forty uh, Year Old Virgin. Oh, um, gosh, I can just picture it's with an A. His last name. Um, oh my goodness, I can just picture him. He's married, and I even know who he's married to. And now I can't. It is. Come on, you know. Is his last name with an A? Judd Apatow. Apatow. Judd Apatow. Oh, and going back to the movie I was thinking of, it was, of course it doesn't come up now. It was The Garbage Picking Field Goal Kicking Philadelphia Phenomenon. That's the name of the movie? Yeah. 1998. No, I definitely did not see that. Wow. Just wow. Wow. Anyway, we'll see if those uh, movies... They're not going to be MacGruber, which is coming out uh, two days from now. Yep. The TV series, or whatever that is. Like, Are they just releasing all the episodes at once? I don't, there's not really been like any... Clarity on that? Uh-uh. Like, I don't know if they're releasing... I would think so. Okay. Because that's what they've done with other shows on Peacock. Oh, and then you can just watch them all at one yeah. time? Okay. So I'll give my review that Thursday. Well, tomorrow we'll be back. We will have uh, a show from the arena because it's the Kings and Washington. Also, Golf to Go Golf Hour. Frank LaRosa will be in for that at 2 o'clock. Then I'll be here at 3. We'll have Lincoln Kennedy tomorrow. We will have Chris Landry as well. And then, of course, Kings basketball tonight. The Kings are tomorrow night. Kings and the Wizards. Coming up tonight, though, UC Davis basketball, 645 pregame, 7 o'clock tip-off. Scott Marsh will have that as it's the Aggies and Oregon State. That's it for us. Thank you so much for listening. We're back tomorrow right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. See ya!